Welcome, everyone. I'm Jeffrey Goodman, Director of Marketing and Development for the YMCA of Northwest Louisiana. And we're here today at 318 Latino Studios for Shreveport Bossier, my city, my community, my home. And I can't wait to have today's discussion. It's with Sophia Heron Sanders. So, Sophia, thanks so much for being here and making yeah. the time to be with us. Well, thank you for inviting me. Of course, of course. All right. So, we'll get into your world. Um, and if I get anything incorrect, please correct me. Yeah, absolutely. But you are the Director of Child Life and Community Engagement and a forensic interviewer at the Gingerbread House, one of our community's oldest and most important nonprofit organizations. Opened in 1998, the Gingerbread House Children's Advocacy Center is focused on child abuse advocacy. You serve children 2 to 18 who have experienced any sort of abuse, sexual or physical, or been a witness to any sort of violent crime. I read where one of your employees once said, each case you see is very different, but the trauma is real. Since most of us are unaware of the process, let's start here today, if we could. Take me through some of the initial steps of what a case may look like. Okay. So a case for us typically begins when a child makes a disclosure to an adult or an adult a caregiver has a concern, red flags that they see, and they're just not sure what's going on, but they suspect abuse. Um, either situation, it gets reported to law enforcement. That's always we number one, always report it to your local law enforcement. Um, law enforcement will then refer the case to us. Um, we staff the case with law enforcement and the, de the Department of Children and Family Services and to see uh, if we need to do a forensic interview. And in most cases, yes, we do need to do a forensic interview. And so we make an appointment and we schedule that for the kiddo to come and get their forensic interview. And just a couple of questions on what you just said. So when you say report it to law enforcement, what body are we talking about? Um, should they, is this call the police, call the sheriff's department, call call one of those two is, is what you would recommend at Gingerbread House? So the easiest way that I explain it to people is if the crime occurred within the city limits, you call the city police. If it happened outside in the parish, you call, or the county, you would call your sheriff's department. Uh, if you're not sure, call one of them and either one can help. And once they start their investigation, if they find out um, that there's something that happened in a different jurisdiction, they can transfer it. A lot of cases that we see, we may not know a whole lot of information because we need to interview the child. And so once we get that child at the gingerbread house, with that information, we can find out that there may be multiple jurisdictions and we might have to loop in multiple. So the best thing is just call whatever local agency that you're familiar with, um, unless you know where the incident occurred. And paint a picture. You mentioned the, I mentioned that you're a forensic interviewer and then you mentioned the forensic interview. So just kind of paint a picture of what a forensic interview looks like and what takes place during one. Okay. So a forensic interview is a, um, it is a 
way for the child to tell their statement in a child-friendly, non-leading, non-threatening way. So at the gingerbread house, we get a lot of people that say, oh, it just looks like a fun place to hang out. And we want to make it inviting for kids. We want to make it so that it looks like their playroom or, you know, somewhere fun that they feel comfortable. We have, you know, teenage rooms where they can sit and feel comfortable. That's our biggest thing. We want them to feel comfort. Um, and then we have four trained forensic interviewers. And those interviewers sit one-on-one with the kids, asking open-ended questions, non-judgmental, really listening to the kids and trying to help them so that they can feel comfortable to tell their statement about what happened to themselves or what they might have witnessed. Everything is audio and video recorded, and it is monitored by law enforcement and DCFS so that if they have any questions while the child's speaking, they can communicate to us via walkie-talkie. And so we have a little walkie-talkie in our ear, and we can hear any questions that they might have that we might have forgotten. So they get a chance to get all of their questions asked. And the idea is, is that we want the child to give their statement one time to one person, not multiple times to multiple strangers. Because if you had to give a statement about the most intimate experience that you had and most, you know, maybe not even enjoyable experience, and you have to tell so many strangers, it's hard. And so we don't want children to feel that. And so that's the idea of a forensic interview. Like I said, everything is audio and video recorded. It goes on to two DVDs and it leaves us evidence with law enforcement. So it can be used in prosecution, the investigation, and if needed, the removal um, by DCFS. Perfect. Yeah. And so the gingerbread house operates to lessen uh, give more background on the gingerbread house. Gingerbread house operates to lessen the trauma experienced by child abuse victims while criminal allegations are being investigated and to provide support for the child victim throughout the investigation, prosecution, and treatment phases of a case. Sticking with maybe the same case that you outlined previously, um, take me through some of what the next steps will look like after the child has first come to the gingerbread house, received the forensic interview, and the investigation of the case has begun. So what we like to do is wrap that family, that non-offending caregiver also, kind of give them the support that they need. Um, Because oftentimes, uh, we say stranger danger all the time, but a lot of these times, you know, they are not strangers. They are people that the children know that have been groomed by the, the child has been groomed by these people. They might be somebody in the home that the caregiver trusted. So this can be a shock to this caregiver can say like, how could I not have seen this? Or it may be that it was the breadwinner of the family. And so now they're stuck with, okay, how do I make ends meet? Because my child is disclosed and we have to leave this you know person that was supporting us. So there's a lot of things. And a lot of times parents too are just like, what just happened to my child? Um, I thought I was watching them and it's never, we never want to blame a parent at all. Um, so we want to provide resources, help these families out. What are they needing? Are they needing help with transportation, um, food pantries? Um, are they needing help with financial assistance? Are there other nonprofits in the area that we can plug them in so that we can get them help? Counseling service for the parents. Um, so we offer, our family advocate offers these services, talking to the parents, 
giving them that resource. And that is always available to them. Um, and then we also offer free counseling. And that's one of um, my favorite things about the gingerbread house, because after a trauma has occurred, we want to make sure that we don't just say, okay, bye. We want to make sure that we're taking care of them and going through that healing stage. So offering them that free trauma therapy. Um, and our, we have two amazing therapists right now, and they have different modalities that they use and uh, different treatment uh, modalities. And they really are trying to make sure that we take care of these kids. And then the great part about it is, is that they can graduate from counseling. We never want a child to be forever in counseling. We want them to heal and move to the next stage, you know, in their life. But if an abuse happened when they were, for example, eight years old, and then they're 16 and they start dating and that kind of triggers kind of whatever they had experienced, we welcome them back to come to the gingerbread house. And we say, yeah, let's get back on the track with therapy and see if we can help out because there are going to be triggers along the way that could affect them. And so we never want to turn any child away. So we offer all of these free of charge. And that's another great, you know, reason why we ask for support from the gingerbread house, because we never want to say to a child, sorry, we can't help you. Um, we always want to be there for them. It's amazing. All right. Well, I'm going to shift to a, a quote of yours um, that I came across. You once said, an opportunity arose where I could put my talents as a child life specialist here at the gingerbread house and help other children who had probably gone through something similar or an abusive situation, and I can make them feel as comfortable or as heard as I felt when I was 13. My question is, would you mind sharing a little about your first interactions with the gingerbread house? Absolutely. So like I said, when I was 13, I was um, in a um, situation that I was being sexually abused. And when it came to light, my parents took me straight to the police station. And I vividly remember going to the police station and just kind of scared, like, who am I going to talk to? And um, not even sure that I wanted to speak to a male because I was 13 and to talk about body parts and things like that. And it was um, just very comforting when he said, I have a place that we're going to go to that you can talk to somebody. Um, and we went to the gingerbread house and at the gingerbread house, I was able to get my forensic interview. Um, and I had got received counseling. I ended up volunteering a few years later, but just the way that they made me feel comfortable. Um, it was, um, a little house on Jordan street. We've since moved to a bigger location, but I just always remember walking through those doors at that house on Jordan street and feeling like it was a home, like a, it was a safe place that I could go to, that I could speak and not feel that anyone would judge me or look at me any differently because that was the biggest thing that I was struggling. I didn't want to tell anybody about what happened to me because who's going to judge me? Who's going to look at me differently? Are they going to treat me differently? But I felt that I was heard and that people supported me. And so that was the one of the biggest things that I always remember. And I always wanted those kiddos who came to the gingerbread house now. And so I um, became a child life specialist and um, stayed in touch with uh, the ladies at the gingerbread house and 
when it came time and uh, our CEO, Jessica Miller, she also wanted to find a way that she could support these uh, kids and these you know traumatic situations. And so she went to different child advocacy centers around the nation. So what do you have that's different than us that we could benefit from? And several of them had a child life program and it just stood out to her. She was familiar with child life. She had had somebody that she knew who was a child life specialist. And so when we got together, one day and let me just interrupt one second. Yeah. Will you define define what a child like for people okay yeah. when child life specialist <laughs> what is that exactly yeah so a child life specialist is an individual who has a background in um, child development and they provide support to children who have been through a trauma um Mostly you will see them in a hospital setting. So after a surgery or a new diagnosis, child life specialist would go in and educate that child on what is that new diagnosis? What's it going to look like in their terms? Because um, the hospital can be a very scary place and with a lot of big words and adult terms. And so to make them feel like they are heard as well in that situation. So just adapting that um, child life into a CAC. So a child life specialist in a CAC would then talk to the children, let them know what's going to happen, make them familiar uh, with the environment and the people that they're going to be ask answer questions that they might have. Um, we get some really crazy questions from kiddos that don't understand even why they're there. Um, so just letting them know and making sure that they are seen and heard. And believed. Exactly. And believed. And so that's the one thing that I took away from my experience that I felt like every everybody that was part of the gingerbread house back then when I was younger um, really heard me, listened to me, believed me, wanted to do something to help me and make me. Um, you know, I had a detective one time ask me, how are you not a statistic? Um, you know, you're not addicted to any drugs or alcohol. You have a great job. Um, you're, you're thriving. And I said, that's because of the gingerbread house. They helped me go through some of the hardest times and the most difficult situation that I had been in as a 13 year old, um, and helped me see the other side of it. And then at the same time, they also kind of led me into the path that I am right now to get to see where I could um, help other children who were going through that similar situation. And um, so I never, everyone's experience at the gingerbread house, every child's experience is so different. No one is like mine. Um, they're all different, but there's something that is similar. All children want to be heard and believed and all of them want to be um they want that they want somebody to listen and make the abuse stop so many times i hear i just wanted it to end i don't hate mom and or dad i don't hate so and so just wanted to stop i didn't want them to hurt me anymore um and so they want love they want attention they want people uh to protect them and that's what the gingerbread house can do for them it's amazing and this wasn't one of my set questions, but I did come across a statistic, mm -hmm. and hopefully you can explain this a little bit. I think that before the gingerbread house, maybe convictions were around a 5% rate of mm -hmm. um, these kind of uh, abuse cases. And now the gingerbread, with the gingerbread house's assistance, there, 
they're they're now convicting in these cases closer to a 95% range or something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, it's an incredible jump. And so prior to the gingerbread house, what a lot of people were seeing and these concerned citizens who founded the gingerbread house saw that the conviction rates were so low. And why was that? And it was because you had multiple interviews and um, multiple interviews that may not have been consistent um, or it was difficult to get a interview from a child because um, I always say um, some of our police officers are really great at interrogating, investigating, arresting the perpetrator, but talking to a four-year-old, that's a whole different level. Um, but at the gingerbread house, we are able, we have that background in child development. Um, a lot of our forensic interviewers have backgrounds in psychology and social work. So they know how to talk to the children. It's different than talking to an adult. Um, there's facts that we may, questions that we may have to uh, say differently so that they do understand. Um, so just understanding them in a different way, the children. And so when we in uh, when the gingerbread house started, we were able to lessen the number of times uh, that a child was interviewed. We were able to make those interviews better by asking the correct questions and asking them in an environment that they felt safe in so they could feel like they could disclose more information. Um, and then the fact that they were audio and video recorded was another great thing because that gave the investigators something to show the prosecutors. And so these taped statements now can be presented in court as a statement for the child and it is played to the jury. So the jury gets to see. Um, so for example, if a child had physical abuse and they had marks or bruises on them, they get to see the marks and the bruises on the DVD and they can see the child um, if they're feeling sad or lonely, any kind of emotion that that child has, they can see that in that DVD. Um, whereas when they see the child, so court usually takes several years before a case goes to court. And so that child, we hope, has gone through therapy and is in a better place and is, you know, a six-year-old who's been physically abused is not going to look the same as an eight-year-old who has fully healed with therapy and a loving environment and uh, being protected from the abuse and the abuser. Um, and so the jury might say, oh, well, they look perfectly fine. They're smiling now, but that's because they've gone through so much healing. And that's so great to see that. Um, I always say, I love my job. Um, it's hard because, you know, you never want to say I, children should never be abused. Children should have a happy, healthy life, but we, um, sometimes forget that abuse happens and we want them to feel protected. Um, and so we never want them to have to get on the stand and testify. Um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, those are massive impacts. And, and so it definitely makes a difference when the jury gets to see that statement, that recording, and they get to see it on the stand and then they get to see the child now healed. And um, so it, it makes a difference really in the investigation. And I think that is what makes that big difference in the prosecution rates. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. 
So if I'm not mistaken, there are 13 children's advocacy centers throughout the state. And of the 13 in the nine parish area you serve, the Gingerbread House has the largest caseload in Louisiana. I know the Gingerbread House is heavily involved in prevention, education, and training. Uh, would you mind talking to me about some of the work you do in the area of prevention? Absolutely. So we have a prevention ed program that it's called Knowledge is Power. And that is our own. We created it about several years ago. We created it. And just uh, recently in 2020, we made it into a video series. And we use it to teach pre-K all the way through high school. And it varies from age to age, but the idea is is that we want kids to feel empowered and to know body safety and know what to do if something happened to them. Um, So with, say, for example, the little ones, we want to make sure that they understand what are the parts of their body that no one should be touching or looking at, and then we want them to know who to tell. So we talk about our safety plan and our safety network and who are the people that we're going to tell and to tell and tell and tell until somebody listens. Um, In middle school, we talk about internet safety because that's a big thing for middle schoolers. Um, So we add a component of uh, internet safety. And then with high schoolers, we add uh, safe relationships because that's also a big thing for high schoolers. And then we also talk a little bit about human trafficking because we see a lot of high schoolers in our area um, being targeted and exploited by traffickers in our area. And so we want them to be aware. And so we have been approved by Caddo, Bozier, Webster, and DeSoto Parish school boards to teach at this public schools. And so we um, go to several different schools and we have our education specialist and she goes to all these schools and does the presentations, educating the kiddos, um, because that's the most important thing that we can do to let them know um, what to do if something were to happen or if somebody tries something, you know, that's a, you know, I hear a lot of stories where it's, well, they tried, they asked me for pictures or they asked me to do this. And I told them no. And I told my mom. And so that's a victory because we, you know, prevented a child from being abused. Um, another really big, important one is a mandated reporter. So we want to make sure that adults know what to do if a child comes to them and says, something has happened to me. We don't want them to freak out and not know what to do. So we do a lot of mandated reporters with adults, um, with the school systems, churches, other organizations. Um, parent, if a, you have a group of, you know, a smallest five, we'll do uh, prevention education with them. So really just trying to get the word out. Um, we have um, programs that teach specifically about human trafficking that we are facilitators for, um, and we're also facilitators for Darkness to Light. So there's a lot of things that we offer as far as prevention education. It's so critical. Yeah. And all of it's free of charge too. That's the thing that, you know, we strive again, like, we don't charge for these uh, services. So if somebody wants to know more about prevention education and what to do if a child reports child abuse to them, you know, get a group of, you know, five or more, you know, we'll talk to a hundred people at a time, but um, we love doing that and getting the word out. Yeah. So important. Well, my last 
playing question we can talk forever um is around families i wasn't sure we were going to get there but um i'm asked a question if there's anything you want to add along these lines it'd be great but the gingerbread house is also a critical resource for the families in our community um i read the following quote that i wanted to read when when the families first come in for the interview you can hear the pain in their voices the hurt they're scared they have no idea what to expect. We're here to provide that support and that comfort to the families and let them know that everything will be okay. So my question was, can you talk a little or elaborate on what you've said already about some of the family advocacy work at the Gingerbread House? Yeah, so our family advocate is a, it's a team of about four and they, strive to make sure that that caregiver is taken care of as well, because this not only affects the child who's being abused, this affects the siblings, the caregivers. Um, it affects everyone because it can oftentimes be something that tears apart a family or divides a family. And so we want to be there. And so we have like I told you before, we have our family advocate that meets with a caregiver to see what resources they need, the immediate resources they're needing. And then we follow up. Um, much like counseling, we don't just drop them off and say, see you later, good luck. We want to make sure that we're always here for them. And like you said, you're wrapping your your wraparound service, you're wrapping your services Correct. and your organization around mm -hmm. these cases and around these situations. Absolutely. Um, and something else, you know, when I say, you know, affecting the whole family, a lot of the times the um it it's kind of it hits hard in certain times of the year, like holidays. And so we have a Thanksgiving program that we do and we partner with Turkey Fry Guys and we provide Thanksgiving meal for them, a turkey, you know, everything that they need from the plates to the stuffing to the pies. And we um gather everything for them so that they can have this home cooked meal for Thanksgiving they can celebrate. And then for Christmas, we also have a sponsor of family for Christmas in which we have individuals and businesses in our community that rally together and purchase gifts for these families. And we don't just buy the gifts for the victim. It's for the entire family. So we have the siblings that are there. Um, if mom, I remember one time uh, we asked the mom, what do you need? And she goes, all I want is a crock pot so that I can make a home cooked meal for my family. And we're so busy that a crock pot's what I need. And we were able to provide that for her through one of our sponsors and provide this one thing that she needed to, and, you know, we were able to give her a little bit more, but that was the one thing that she really desired. And, you know, so many times a lot of the adults, the parents get forgotten in these situations because we're so focused on the kids, but we want to make sure that they're not the, that the siblings are not forgotten, that the, um, parents are not forgotten and that we not only wrap around and support the uh, child, but we're wrapping everyone. So important. And, you know, those were all my set questions, but we have all the time in the world. Is there anything, I think I told you before we started, I mean, you start researching the gingerbread house and you guys do so many important things and just so many things, period. Is there anything 
else about the gingerbread house that I didn't highlight or mention that you'd like to talk about? Or is there anything, period, that you just want to share or discuss today? I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so um, appreciative of the incredible work that you guys do. You're Thank such you. an important organization in our community. Yeah. And- well, one program that I didn't highlight is our multidisciplinary team. And um, that is our entire team. It's not just the... 13 of us at the gingerbread house. It is law enforcement, medical, mental health, um, prosecutor's office, law enforcement. It's everyone. We all are coming together um, to work for a common goal to help these kids. And it's so amazing to get and to it's see. These, sorry. And it's these other nonprofit organizations too, that are part of that. You know, Correct. If someone needs housing or if someone needs a service that the gingerbread house doesn't provide, but there's another organization that does. It's, it's those partners too, right? Correct. Part of this. Absolutely. And so for example, some of our partners for medical are the SANE nurse, the sexual assault uh, exam nurses, uh, the CARA center that's uh, located here in Shreveport that does the sexual assault exams for um, the abuse victims. And so we're working together with them to make sure that the children who are getting a forensic interview are also getting a forensic medical exam and that we're communicating and that we also communicate with law enforcement to let them know our findings, our mental health. Um, we do have to sometimes refer out because we have only two uh, counselors, um, but our counseling team can also talk to law enforcement and you know, give them vital information that they will need. Um, and then we also have the prosecutor's office, you know, to, so we're all coming together and working this case together. And so that's the whole point of a children's advocacy center is that we're working together. So instead of having the child go to 10 different places um, to get the help that they need, they're coming to one place and all of us are coming to the child. And so that's our multidisciplinary team. And so um, I think we have a fantastic team that um, does a lot of hard work to keep the children in our community safe. Um, the communication is key because without that, you know, kids will fall through the cracks. Um, but because we have such an awesome team, we strive so hard to make sure that no child falls through those cracks and everyone um, gets the justice that they deserve. Well, Sophia, thanks so much for being here today. And, and thanks so much for just the great, uh, important work you guys are doing. Yeah, so thank you for it. having me. Of course. Thank you.